1: you know, guys, we, we entered into this series concerning temptation because we recognize that this is something that we're all struggling with. This is something that we're all wrestling with is the whole area of temptation. Now, I've tried to, uh, in communicating that to you, have tried to to say to you to focus on the area that is defeating you. And I've kind of blown off the whole issue about food. But the reality is, is maybe food is your temptation. And the reality is, is we all struggle. And you know what it is that's defeating you. And remember we talked about that temptations fall into three categories. Pleasure, position, and power. Did you understand? Pleasure, position, and power. And the reality is is that we need to look at all of that and say, okay, how how am I doing on this? And so maybe this has been helpful for you as we've been going through this series. Now here is the problem, though. There's a dilemma. So as we start off our passage today, I just want to present to you the dilemma that we have when we talk about this whole issue of temptation, and you've been with me for the last five weeks, and you've been listening, and you've been taking your notes, and you've been saying, yeah, I need to do that, and I need to get with this, and I need to overcome that, and yeah, it's been defeating me, and I don't want to give in anymore, we've got a dilemma. And the first part of the dilemma is this, we understand what we have to do. So as I've been communicating to you guys the reality of temptation and dealing with it, I'm not saying anything new here. Does everybody agree with me? We all understand that we we, we shouldn't give in to temptation. So we all know what we need to do, right? We all know what we need to do, but here's the dilemma. We give in to temptations. We give in. Isn't that... Your track record? That's my track record. Because we know what we ought to do, right? Right? But here's the problem. We give in to temptations. We give in. And 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 that's the whole issue here. And, and, and that internal struggle, here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7. If you want to turn back a few pages, if you want to, you can read along with me. Verse 18, he says this. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, and how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. So here's what he's saying. That which is good, I, I want to do it, but I can't do it. But that, that, that stuff that I don't want to do, I'm doing that. Okay, listen to what he says. For I do what I will not to do. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law. That evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Isn't that you and I? Isn't that you and I? I mean, you think back to your week. The good that you wanted to do, just couldn't do it. But everything that you didn't want to do, everything you know that's wrong, how'd you do? We did it, didn't we? See, that's the dilemma we're in. We understand temptation. We understand that it appeals to our corrupt desires, We understand that it it really causes us to go down a road that we don't need to go down to, and it just goes down to a road of further defeat. So we know what we got to do, but here's the problem. We give in. So you say, okay, George, I'm with you, I agree with you, and what do we do about it? Because I don't want to be in this cycle. Are you with me? I don't want to live there. I don't, I don't want to keep... I mean, is this the way it's supposed to be forever? Come on! No, it doesn't have to be. And I think what we need to do is look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Because remember now, if you think back through the messages, if you think back through the last five weeks, there's been a key that keeps coming up throughout the passages as far as something to strengthen us to know how to strengthen our lives to face the temptations. So that's what we're going to talk about today, is standing against the temptations, facing the temptations. How do we do that? We do that with God's word. That's been the key, remember? Isn't that how Jesus answered the temptations? With his word? Isn't that what he promised as a way of escape? How do we do that? With his word? So, what do we do? So let's look at this passage together. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Very familiar passage You really need to put a star by these two passages because this is a great passage for all of us here because it kind of tells you how you and I should be living. So look with me and look at what it says. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, To this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, here's what we're going to do we're going to take those two verses and we're basically going to look at two aspects here. We're going to see the encouragement, we're going to find that in verse one, and then in verse two, we're going to see the decision, the decision we have to make in verse two. All right, so first section is the encouragement. And then we're going to have to see the decision we have to make in verse 2. So first of all, the encouragement. Let's look what he, what we've got to do. We've got to make a decision about our lives. Look at what he says there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, the word beseech there, that's not part of our everyday English today. Like when your kids come up and they really want to have that chocolate cookie uh that you know that chocolate chip cookie that you've made and it's dinner time and you told them now they don't just come up and say oh mommy i beseech you let me have a cookie do they do that they don't use that word anymore do they so what it means is is to strongly urge another word would be i beg you now we understand the beg thing right please let me have a cookie isn't that what we do All right? Now, here's what he's doing. He's begging us to present our bodies, that's our lives, to God. And let's just stop for a moment. For most of us, can I be honest with you, when we think about our salvation, we think of it in terms of, I just hate to say it this way, but we think of it in terms of fire insurance. I got that heaven thing taken care of. Got that forgiveness thing going on. He forgave me for my stuff. And that's the end of it. But I'm going to be honest with you, Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross so you could have a blank check and a ticket to heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? He came to die for you so you could have a new life, so that you could have a purpose for your life, so that you could have something more for your life. And so Paul is saying here, look, I'm begging you that you present your bodies, you, as a sacrifice to God, a living sacrifice, not that you're going to die you're, what you give into, that's the end of you, but that you continually live for him. So the reality is, the encouragement here is, is that I'm talking about this issue of temptation. I gotta make a decision, first of all, about who is my life being lived for? Do you understand what I'm saying? Who am I living my life for? Because if I'm living it for myself, I'm just gonna give into temptations because temptations appeal to what I want. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if I'm living my life for myself, I'm going to continually give in because it's all about me, baby. Do You know what I mean? And you know that's a terrible way to go, isn't it? Because if it's all about you, then your marriages get messed up, your relationships get messed up, work gets messed up, doesn't it? If your focus is it's all about you, then that's just pure What? selfishness and selfishness leads to just giving into temptations because when the next thing comes along that looks really good i'm grabbing it and the emphasis here is is paul saying look i'm begging you i'm strongly urging you that you give your body to god that you give yourself to the lord that you live for something else that you live for something else and so he goes on and he says we need to decide that our bodies belong to god So we got a decision to make about our bodies, which the next step is, is like, okay, then I belong to him. Because he bought me. Isn't that the kind of words that are used in the New Testament? That he bought you with a price? Where did that kind of talking come from? The Bible? That he redeemed you. What does that word come from? The Bible. That he bought you from the slave markets of sin. He bought you from the entrapment to continually giving in to the stuff that you give into, continually giving into the attitudes, continually giving into your corrupt desires. He bought you off of the slave market. He released you from the chains. I mean, think about the story of the prodigal. I mean, man, we can relate to that, can't we? Because if we're left to ourselves, we can really mess up things really good, can we not? I mean, we can burn through relationships, burn through our lives, and look around and say, man, I ain't got nothing left. And then when we go back to daddy, God, he's there running off the porch, loving us, kissing us, throwing us a robe on us, and saying, come on, let's have a party. My son's back. My daughter's back. He bought you. So when you've got to make that decision... Who am I living for? You recognize that our bodies belong to God. Now, listen. Now, why am I telling you that? Because here's the thing. When you look at what temptation is, temptation, and see this, I'm talking to myself here, not just you, because I struggle too. Well, here's the thing. I I just want you to listen to me. So this is is real to me. The temptations appeal to what my flesh wants. Remember what Paul said in 7? I know to do good, but in my flesh dwells no good. So think back, think what it is that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with. What is the temptation that you're facing? And think about what it appeals to with you. Now think about it in terms of, it's not about me anymore. My body doesn't really belong to me. It belongs to God. Do you know what I mean? And so we've got to learn to take care of what God's entrusted us with. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I've, I'm one of those guys who who was taught that if 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 I borrow something from you, I'm supposed to take care of it and be responsible for it before I give it back to you. How many how many of you've been taught that way? Yeah. And if something happens to it, you go what? You go buy him a new one. That's that's what I was taught. You know what I'm saying? You're responsible, or at least give him money to pay for the repair, and then you feel really sheepish, don't you? You know. That you feel like, well, you're almost embarrassed. Why, don't we, why aren't we that way with regards to ourselves? Because we belong to Jesus now. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, present yourselves to God. Because look at what it says. He says that when he looks at us, we're holy and acceptable to him. Wow. Some of you need to hear that. How God sees you, listen to me, how God sees you, he sees you as holy. What does that mean? Without sin and acceptable. Wow. That's how precious you are to him. Do you know what I mean? So the encouragement goes on then. Look at what he says. We have to recognize this is what we're called to do. You're called to do this. You're called to make the decision to live your life for God. What do you mean, George? Where does it say that? Look at there, verse 1. Which is your what? Reasonable service. He's not asking for something outrageous here. Do you know what I mean? He's not asking for something wild and crazy like him having control of your life. You live in for him. That's not unreasonable. He's saying it's what? It's reasonable that you would live your life for him considering what? What he did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's reasonable that you would live your life for him and not give in to those temptations that you would recognize that your life isn't your own anymore. It belongs to Jesus. So you've got to have that mindset. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. When you look at that encouragement, right in the margin there, the mindset. What we're talking about here is a mindset. Because before you can have actions, because some of you are saying, "Well hey man, I thought you were going to tell us about how we could stand against temptation. thought you were going to tell us what we need to do here." Well, you know what? I am in a minute with verse two, but you've got to understand something before you get to verse two and he tells you what to do, you've got to have the mindset. you understand you've got to have the understanding and the mindset is is I don't belong. It's not all about me. It's about I belong to Jesus now, and this is what I'm supposed to do is live my life for him and not just do whatever I want to do. Okay? Not just do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live my life for him. So then, verse 2, the decision, put in the margin there, these are the actions. This is what you've got to do. So let me read you the verse, and we'll see what he's saying here. And be not conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, here's what we got to do. Number one, you have to consciously decide not to go with the flow of culture. You have to consciously decide not to go with the flow of culture. When it talks about not being conformed to the image of this world, the world here is talking about the world system, the cultural system. And, and, and let's be honest, what's the cultural system? You know, we've heard it for years, we're seeing it manifested continually on our TV sets now. I mean, the reality is the world says if it feels good, what? Do it! I mean, and for, for a while, the, the athletic t shirts, you know, the Nike, whoosh, and right underneath it is what? Do it! Just do it! Now, is, is there something wrong with that? Is there something wrong with those t shirts? Should I not wear those t shirts? No, wear those t shirts. They look cool. But think about what embracing that concept may be pushing you to. See, the action is, is if if we're talking about not giving into temptations, it may mean that I'm going to have to make a decision not to go with the flow of culture. Because if I so that means is, is if something's tempting me, I may, and everybody else is doing it. In fact, I got friends telling me, hey man, just try it. It's okay. You'll like it. I may need to not do it. I may to just need to say, okay, I'm not going to go with culture on this one. So like culture right now, big thing right now is I noticed there's, there's to me it's a correlation. The number of marriages that are happening is down, but the number of cohabitations is up. And so, you know, and uh, and the concept is, as I've heard it, well, you wouldn't go buy a car without test driving it. Like a marriage is buying a car. Hello? If that's your concept, yeah, you are going to be buying a new car every once in a while. Marriage and buying a car are not the same. So right now it's okay to what? Live together. But here's the, can I, can I tell you the dirty little secret? Here's the dirty little secret. We have a growing population of single moms. And their standard of living is way below what it should be. Because they're trying to make ends meet because the guy they were with never wanted to make a commitment. And so what we've done is is we've now made it culturally acceptable not to make commitments. So there you are as a Christian, if you're single here, listen to me. The temptation is, is to go do what the culture's doing. It's okay, go ahead. But you're a Christian. You believe in Jesus. You, you no longer belong to just yourself. It's not about you anymore. You're living your life for him. So sometimes you've got to what? Stand against the culture. Say, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Which is what? This is what God said. Wait for marriage. Wait for marriage. You have to consciously decide that you're going to live for him, that you're going to go against the flow of culture. Here's what you do. Rather, so if I'm not going to go against culture, if I'm not going to be conformed, does everybody understand what conformity is? Just real quick. That's called giving into the what? Peer pressure. We all know about peer pressure, right? We all know about that, okay? Okay. So what am I going to do then? If I'm not going to conform, if I'm not going to give in to the peer pressure of the culture, what am I going to do? He, he Look, he says there, verse, verse 2, rather you must allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. To transform you. So I'm not going to just go and live my life just like everybody else is living it. Woo, whatever. Hey, have you noticed that everybody else is really wreck, they're wrecking havoc on themselves and their relationships? Have you noticed that? They don't have peace. They're living in frustration. So if I'm not going to go along with that, what am I going to do then? I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform me. Now that word there, transform, the Greek word is metamorphosis. Now everybody know where that word came from? You've you've heard it in high school biology. Remember it? Because what? A little worm, a caterpillar, goes into a chrysalis. It goes into a chrysalis and it hangs there. And then what happens? It experiences metamorphosis. It transforms. Now, what happens? It transforms from the what? Inside out. And the only one who does that is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just stop for a moment, all right? Here, here's where we're at as, as, as a church, as the leadership in the church, the elders in the church. We recognize that you becoming all that Jesus wants you to be is not following a set of rules. That's conformity, not to the world, but to something else, legalism. But what we want you to do is grow in your relationship with Jesus, because if you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you change from the inside out because we've all met people who conform to church rules but they're still rotten on the inside what we want God to do is the Holy Spirit to clean up our rottenness which then transforms our actions did you understand what I'm saying to clean up our rottenness, which transforms. So if I'm going to stand against temptation, I need to not go with the flow of what everybody's doing. I'm not not going to go with the flow of the culture. I'm rather going to allow the Holy Spirit to renew me, to transform me. So how does he do that? Here's the third point. Look at what he says. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word, the means of renewal is the word of God. How he renews you is with the word of God. The means of renewal, the means of you being transformed is sitting right there in your hand. So let me ask you a question. How many of you say things like this? I know I need to change. God help me to change. I know I need to deal with those attitudes. God help me to change. I try to change, and I can't change. My my woman's trying to change me. That ain't never going to happen. My husband's trying to change me. That ain't never going to happen. God changed me. How many, how many? Don't raise your hand, okay? But you, how many you know what I'm talking about? We say those kind of things, don't we? Don't we say those? Am I the only one who says those kind of things? I know I'm not. Okay? What did somebody say? Oh, I told you. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you can't verbalize something in a muffle. Okay? All right. Here's what I want you to see. You can change. But he changes you, and the means of the change. is God's word, because what happens is that he takes his word, I get into it, and he renews my mind, my thinking. Okay, now wait a minute. Now what in the world does that got to do with temptation, George? Okay. Think with me. Here's the temptation, whatever it is in your life. Here's you. You're bebopping along in life. There it is. You get confronted with the temptation. Now, for most of us, especially if you struggled with it for a while, you're not immediately running over to it. You're pausing And you're thinking about it. Well, there it is. Boy, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, there would be some satisfaction with that. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's going to wreak havoc. If I do that, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, the wrestling match? It starts with your thoughts. With your thinking. See, that's where it begins. That's why I'm not to conform to the image of this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of my mind. My mind needs to change. My thinking needs to change so that I don't just immediately go, my chair, my temptation feels good. Do you know what I'm saying? i got to change my thinking. You ask any addict who has overcome it, they had to change their thinking. And they had to go through a process to change their thinking. Do you know what I'm saying? They had to renew their thinking. Now, the Holy Spirit's way of renewing our minds so that we don't fall to temptation all the time is that I get into God's Word. Now, here's the thing. you got it right in your hand, but you don't read it like, okay, i got to read this for knowledge. You read it for transformation. Write that down. You don't read your Bible for knowledge. You read it for transformation. God, show me something today doing work in my life. And I, again, it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to be consistent. Think long term. And slowly but surely he changes you. And somebody will say to you after a little bit, man, you are sure different. What, what's, what, what's going on with you? He changed you. You see what we've got to do?
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.